0: It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo
1: on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo.
2: It's uh, 10 minutes after 8. Thank you so much for staying with us here on AM Live. Now, just a quick notice. uh, Santec is giving notification that they'll be doing essential work at uh, Barclay East in the Eastern Cape. Uh, They'll be working on that uh, transmitting station and service interruptions will occur on SAFM and Areskia on the 24th of November uh, from 8 until 4 in the afternoon. That's 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. And every endeavour will be made to limit the interruptions to the shortest possible time. But if you in the Barclay East area in the Eastern Cape, please take note that there will be uh, service interruptions on the 24th of November between 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. And it's 11 minutes after 8 right now and uh, time to get to this morning's discussion. Now yesterday uh, we promised to bring this onto the forum because so many of you wanted to weigh in on the issue regarding the minimum wage proposal. Now findings of the the National Minimum Wage Report have been met with mixed reaction and the report of the National Economic Development and Labor Council, NEDLAC, uh, their advisory panel proposed a minimum wage of 3,500 rand a month, uh, 20 rand an hour as the starting level. And announcing the proposal on Sunday, Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa said that the proposed national minimum wage isn't a living or decent wage but an attempt to address inequality and the problems of the country's working poor. The process is now open to South Africans and various sectors to debate the feasibility of the recommendations in this report. So we will endeavor to do just that this morning. But there has been reaction, widespread reaction uh, to this, and uh, we're going to go now to hear what COSATU had to say about this. They, of course, will be holding a CEC meeting and unfortunately will not join us for this discussion this morning.
3: Well, for us at we have noted the recommendations. Uh, with a CEC, we have been ACC will be engaging on some of those recommendations, but we want to make it clear that... Uh, while 3.5 uh, is a move from what government and big business were proposing at netlec it still falls short on what the uh, federation uh, put on the table. Uh, it still amounts to about 20 rand an hour, which really, in today's economic situation, is not enough for any worker to be able to keep up with the uh, basic necessities that are just uh, going up every day. So we, 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 we are happy with the progress. We think that uh, in dealing with this new recommendations from the panel, we need all of us to be sober. Uh, we are unhappy with the fact that it's not the 4.5 that we wanted. But also we have to acknowledge that uh, it is a shift. So we all now have to go back and engage in that. Like for us as the Federation, we are taking this support back to workers and to make sure that uh, they engage on it and they give us a mandate because we are not, after so long, uh, going to accept anything that is not uh, supported by the workers. If the workers uh, are with it, we will have to go back to NETLEC and table uh, 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 our response, uh, outlining the fact that we think that uh, a lot still needs to be done.
2: So that was Kusatu's response. And as we said, they will be holding a CC meeting uh, to discuss this matter further today. And then some other reactions, the South African Institute for Race Relations, they say that the proposed new minimum wage uh, will actually make it more difficult for people who are currently unemployed To ever find work. The ANC, for their part, has welcomed the report. The recommendations contained in the panel's report are sound, credible, and clearly supported by clear evidence, including technical submissions made by organized business, organized uh, labor, and uh, government and community constituencies. That was uh, according to the ANC. AgriSA, they welcome the fact that struggling farmers uh, still will have access to Section 50 of the Basic of Employment Act that makes provision for exemptions from uh, ministerial determinations. The economic freedom fighters will hear their view in a moment. Uh, NAFCOC, uh, through President Lawrence Mavundla, said that they are pleased that some special considerations have been given to sectors like uh, domestic and farm workers and uh, they will persuade the principals to extend this concession and exemption to small and informal businesses as well. And uh, the question we are asking this morning with regard to this is whether 3,500 rand is too little uh, or do you think that that is sufficient as a minimum wage is it a living wage, 20 rand per hour? What sort of impact will this make, especially to the working poor? 891 the lines are open. And uh, you can also SMS us on 34701, Twitter, Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. And uh, joining us uh, for continuation from yesterday is Jason Erbach, economist at the Free Market Foundation. Uh, thanks so much for your time this morning, Jason.
4: Yeah, sure, no problem. Sikina, good morning to you and good morning to all your
2: listeners. And in our Point studios is Mwisin Ndlozi from the Economic Freedom Fighters. Thanks for your time as well.
5: Thank you very much uh, and uh,
6: good
7: morning to those in the studio in Joburg and to the rest of the South Africans, well.
2: So uh, let me start by asking this question. Um, uh, Deputy President Sir Cyril Ramaphosa has said that the national minimum wage could go a long way to provide much needed injection into the South African economy. Do you agree with that? If so, why? And if not, why not? Let's start with you, Jason.
4: Um, Okay, so the basic premise there is that um, a national minimum wage is going to improve um, the standards um, of living of people that, ha- that have employment and um, it's going to reduce poverty and inequality in South Africa. And I think we agree that that's a laudable goal and uh, that's something that um, every single one of us in South Africa uh, wants to work towards, and, and that's a society where we have full employment, people are prosperous. And, um, I mean, not... That's not only really important for kind of the economic um, benefits of, of the country, but also more importantly for the kind of psychological benefits of knowing that you're making a meaningful contribution to to your economy. But my concern is that the the national minimum wage is a misguided attempt to address um, what is really underlying structural problems that are pervasive throughout our economy, and may in fact have the opposite effect of what it what it's in, intended to to do, and that's address the, the high rates of poverty and inequality in South Africa. And the reason I say that is because one of the surest ways to prevent unskilled people with little or no work experience from entering the job market is to make it illegal for employers to do so. So in my opinion, the single biggest problem facing the South African uh, economy is the persistent and chronic unemployment problem. And this problem is getting worse, because you'll remember after the Great Recession in 2009 that there were about 4.4 million people that were um, unemployed in South Africa. And in 2014, that had risen to 53 and since then, we've lost another 400,000 jobs. So if, if you look at the strict definition of unemployment, we're now sitting with about 5.6 million people um, who are unemployed. But I don't think that's a really good indicator of what's actually happening on the ground because um, it doesn't take into, in, into consideration what are called the discouraged work seekers. And these are people that are just simply given up searching for work because they don't believe that there's any work available. And if you look at that statistic um, from StatsA, it shows that there are about 8.8 million people um, who are unemployed uh, in South Africa. So this, this is a devastating uh, situation, and this massive unemployment problem is the real elephant in, in the room. Um, so what that also means is that there are almost as many unemployed people as what there are um, employed people. And South Africa, this is a really unique situation because no other place in the world has had um, such a high and grain, uh, persistent unemployment problem. Um, and if you disaggregate the stats, you see that two-thirds of the unemployed um, have been unemployed for more than a year, but also, more importantly, two-thirds of the unemployed um, are the youth, so that's those people between uh, 15 and 24 years of age, so, and they're, they're predominantly black, unskilled uh, uh, lab, uh, people. So we can see that there's a desperate struggle for young, unskilled uh, black youth to try and get onto the first rung of the economic ladder. And now along comes government and it's well-meaning and well-intended to introduce a national minimum wage, but what it effectively does is just cuts off a few more rungs of that ladder. And it's um, young people that haven't had a chance to develop any work skills or experience, um, they're in this most kind of unenviable position because without experience they can't get jobs and without jobs they can't get experience. So my question is, do those who favor the minimum wage really think that the government does no harm when it forces prices up or down and just believe that it can just simply increase the price and there's going to be no economic or, or there's going to be no consequences um, of doing that? I think uh, uh, wages that... that that um, respond to increases in productivity should be welcomed by all. But ones that are just simply forced up by government should be rejected. That's not how, how the economics works. So okay. I agree with the principle behind it, and I, and I don't think anybody in South Africa... Um, as opposed to to what what we want to do. We want to live in a society where people are flourishing, where we don't have this massive unemployment problem. But a national minimum wage does little to address that, and it actually um, could make things worse, because um, I said this to you yesterday, I said that the poorest 20% of households rely predominantly on grants and remittances for their survival. Now, and um, increasing the number of jobs, even at, at low wages, will help to reduce poverty, whereas introducing something like a national minimum wage will destroy those available low-paying jobs for unskilled people. And it runs the risk of tipping more households into even deeper poverty. Um, and the other thing is that, obviously, inequality um, has the potential to increase because if it cuts off more uh, people from uh, making a meaningful con- contribution or, or being employed in the economy, those people are all going to be earning zero. Okay. So even if someone else is earning one rand, that person's earning infinitely more. So you'll understand that inequality will actually uh, increase. Uh, um, we'll
2: we'll uh, come back to that uh, because sure. I, you know, I, I want us to explore that a little further. But let's sure. hear from we, sure. What's your view on this?
6: Well, thank you very much, takina First of all, I think that uh, uh, the the input that we've just had. Uh, is really based on some sucking. Uh, the Free Market Foundation has never constituted a research uh, to answer any of the questions in relation to national minimum wage, except desk tip, uh, the desktop speculations. And um, the three institutions in South Africa really have come up with uh, conclusive and I think credible research. First of all, uh, it's uh, the panel that Nedlec commissioned. Secondly, it's Cosatu. Uh, in around uh, 2013 or 14, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, it's, uh, it's the VETS uh, uh, Institute that have uh, constituted actually real research, which has gone across the world, looked at both rich and developing countries where minimum wage has been, um, has been uh, uh, implemented and looked at uh, the impact of it in relation to, to both employment, uh, inequality, and growth. Now, here in South Africa for the past 22 years, We've never implemented uh, you know, a, a national minimum wage in the way that is being proposed at the moment. And therefore you've not had, uh, 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 you can't say that it's going to, it, it has had aggressive or bad uh, results because it has never been tried. But we do know is that the situation has been getting worse. The situation has been getting worse on the basis of uh, uh, the, the current economic policies. The situation has been getting worse without national minimum wage, unemployment has been going high, without national minimum wage. So what we have is that... We 've got to try this, and, and, and that's very important in all countries it has shown the biggest problem that they show is that uh, treasury has been uh, trade, both Treasury and the free market Foundation has been complaining about is that if we implement national minimum wage we're going to have job losses well that's not the case in germany that's not the case in Brazil. That will not be the case here because when you give people meaningful wages, that increases productivity with productivity, you produce more with more production, people are going to consume more but also have got the more buying power to consume more. That then offsets the type of consequences that they are talking about of job losses. They are all talking about uh, uh, 700,000 jobs or 200,000 jobs if you take those UCT chaps that have also done test of research. So, 3,500 in the first instance is not enough in our view. Uh, and the NEDLEC people have come to that number because they are not. It's not a number that is backed up by their research. It's a number that they say could meet between business and labor. But that's based on figures from two to three years ago. When Cosatu made the proposal, it said 4,500. Business's response was 2,700. If you take inflation in the past two to three years, 3,500 is really businesses. Uh, 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 businesses' response. So in our view, it won't make impact at 3,500. You've got to actually make it at 4,700 or more. Then you're going to have impact on people's productivity on one hand. You're going to have impact on people's lives and the inequalities that you're trying to to resolve. So uh, I would really think uh, uh, part of the conversation here has to be genuine uh, in relation to the actual examples in the world that have uh, implemented national minimum we instead of us just being speculative. Uh, Jason? Sure. Um, uh, Sukina, I think
4: that uh, the, the fact that, that um, we have a downward sloping... Sukina? I'm um, listening. Sorry, uh, you, you disappeared for a second. Um, I think the fact that we have a downward sloping demand curve is... Um, is there's, there's no disputes about that. I think everybody um, understands that for me to put it in layman's terms, that if, if you increase the price of labour, uh, employers will respond by either cutting work hours or uh, reducing employment. There's, there's no dispute about um, a, a, about that fact. Um, and, and here I can, I can even quote from uh, the prof- uh, professor of, um, of economics at the University of Cape Town, um, Professor Jeremy Sikens, who said that every study in South Africa finds that real wage increases reduce the demand for labour. The question is not whether wage increases destroy jobs, but how many jobs are destroyed, and how to weigh up the job destruction with the benefits of higher wages. Now, I mean, that—that's the academic response. The—the the logical response to me, to that—that I, that I put to my fellow panelists is: Why is he being so meagre? Why is he only saying proposing four thousand five hundred rand a month? Why doesn't he propose twelve thousand rand a month or fifteen thousand rand per month if he doesn't think that there's going to be any effect on, on unemployment in South Africa? Obviously, we know that all you're doing is you, you're shifting the degree of unemployment and how many uh, more uh, low, unskilled black youth you're going to be cutting out of the, of, of the, the job market. It's as simple as that. Um, your, your panelists referred to, to Germany. Well, if you look at uh, the, the German State Institute for Employment Research, so that's an official government um, agency. They say that Germany's minimum wage, introduced just last year, has cost the economy 60,000 jobs. The Institute noted a fifth of the company's poll said the hourly minimum wage had affected their business by forcing firms to hike the price of their goods to offset the rising labour costs. Other casualties included cut work hours and postponed investments. Sometimes protecting workers is the quickest way to arrest development. Your panelists referred to some other uh, uh, studies. Um, I, I want to also uh, say that The Economist, you know, the, the publication, uh, has backed away from its earlier endorsements of minimum wages, and and the bell concludes that the evidence of modest short-term effects may be a poor guide to the long-term effects of large increases. So what effectively they're saying there is that... Um, particularly in kind of uh, countries where you have full employment. So vastly different to us, where we have this massive unemployment uh, and a large body of unskilled workers that that could dampen the the effect of wages. Um, What they're saying is that you won't necessarily see things in the short run or drastic um, changes in the short run, but you will see things in the long run. And I think that makes sense because you're not going to – and I just want to get to the Treasury as well because, I mean – let me finish just saying how I think employers will respond. So, employers will respond um, by, uh, and this is what was what came out of the German research, by increasing package. Now, who are the people that are most adversely affected by a a rise in prices. That's poor people. Poor people are so sensitive to even minor increases in prices. So it's it's a really bad kind of idea to say, okay, I'm going to help people by hurting them. You need to get to why it is that we have such low wages, and why it is that we have such massive unemployment in the country? Your, my fellow panelists, and we'll come back. We'll,
2: we'll come back to that uh, because we have to sure. go to a break. Because I also want to throw in the moral issue. I mean, why would we want to keep more and more people away from enjoying a standard of living that a few seem to be enjoying? Uh, because the matter is not purely political or purely economic. There is a moral question to be answered here as well.
3: Introducing UCount Rewards for Business. Sign up at standardbank.co.za forward slash UCount Business. Standard Bank. Moving forward. An authorized financial services and registered credit provider.
2: T's and C's apply. It's your favorite time of the morning. The forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning. On AM Live. Well, we're talking about uh, the uh, proposed national minimum wage set at 3500 uh, in this proposal. And we asked, uh, do you think uh, that it's a fair amount? Do you think it's too little? What is your view on this overall? Um, it, it, uh, is it a living wage? I think most people will say no. But then, of course, what does this say about where we are and what we are doing as a country if we even have a problem implementing these low wages? We're going to take a few calls. We'll get back to our panel after the news break, but let's just take these callers who are on the line. Simone and Balito, good morning.
0: To your panelists, Um, I think, you know, on one hand, I agree with uh, the panelists from the Free Market Foundation in that there are underlying structural issues in South Africa that we desperately need to address. But, you know, it's purely focusing on those and not, you know, addressing the fact that people in this country are earning barely enough to survive. You know, it doesn't it? It's yeah. It 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 kind of misses the point. You know, um, I don't know how many people who listen to the show have tried to survive on three thousand five hundred rand a month. Mm. It's impossible. It's so so difficult. I've had to do that because since two thousand and eight, I've been periodically unemployed. You know, I I came back from the UK just as the um the the financial crash hit, and it was very hard to find work, and so. I've had to learn to survive on that. And, you know, I think for any middle class person who argues that, oh, 3,500, that's, that's fine to survive on. You know, they haven't tried it. They really haven't. So you think it's too to little, that, Simo? Say again?
2: Is it too little in your view?
0: It's way too little. No, okay, look, you know, I think if you budget carefully, I managed to survive on like between five and 6,000 rand a month. But, you know, that's really just barely surviving. You okay. know, 3,500. I, I don't know how people can say that that is a
2: livable wage. Thank you so much, Simone and Belita. We're going to go to news when we come back. Mark, Yanela, everybody else will take your calls and we will get some responses as well. Uh, it's time now for news headlines with Norm Samkluli. And this morning on the Forum at 8, we are talking about the minimum wage proposed amount of 3,500 Rand, asking you what your view is on that. Do you think that uh, that is a fair amount? Do you think it's too low, too high? And uh, please explain to us why you say that, as we heard from Simone before the break. And uh, just interestingly, uh, Bloomberg, um, uh, they have revealed uh, how much CEOs earn in different countries. And South African CEOs come in at number 7 after um, the United States, Switzerland, the UK, Canada, Netherlands, and Germany. And uh, they therefore come in ahead of countries like Australia, Norway, uh, Denmark, Sweden, France, Finland, Japan, etc. So our CEOs are the seventh highest paid in the world. And uh, I think it's important that we place that into uh, this basket as well as we discuss whether 3,500 Rand is a fair amount to set as a minimum wage. Uh your views 0891-104208. Uh, that's our calling number. You can tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or you can send us an uh, SMS to the number 34701 at a cost of one Rand. Our guest this morning, um we send in from the Economic Freedom Fighters and also uh, Jason Erbach uh, economist at the Free Market Foundation. Let's just take a few more calls and then we'll get our uh, panel to respond. Uh Mark in Durban, good morning to you.
8: Good morning. It's, it's Mark in Durbanville. Look, you know, there, there's nobody on the show or probably even listening to the this, this show that, that would not like to be able to push a button and have everybody uh, earn three and a half, five thousand, ten thousand dollars 5000 10000 a month, whatever. All of us would empathize tremendously with somebody that's trying to eke out uh, an existence on one and a half or 2000 rand a month. But we have to acknowledge that this is going to have Uh, And an impact on on labor because our empathy needs to be far more with those millions of people standing on street corners that are unable to be productive, unable to provide for their families, uh, unable to know the satisfaction of, of of working because we were created to be productive, and to work, and so on. And you're know, starting a business involves risk, or, or uh, making available a position involves risk. And, and if we increase that risk, we make it less likely for people to start companies, start businesses, and, and employ people. You look at the in- economic miracle of the last 30 years or so, which is China. They've got no minimum wage. Um, the, the areas of massive development uh, uh, as one area developed, I, I used to do business with China and speaking to Chinese businessmen, they would say an area would develop and, uh, and wages in those areas as demand increased for, for labor would automatically, uh, the, the wages would increase. And then development would go to another area, N- not by government, uh, necessarily by government in- intervention, but just because in other undeveloped areas, labor was cheaper. And so other companies would start, uh, would start businesses and factories and things in those other areas in order to benefit from the low wages. And in turn, as demand increased for, for, for labor in those areas, so wages increased as well. Okay. This is disastrous. This is absolutely disastrous to impose this. It, it puts a stifle, uh, a blanket on, on opening businesses and, and, and the economy.
2: But why can't you just factor it in as your uh, your wage uh, starting point at 3,500 rand? If you're going to start this business and you have various other overheads and expenses to take into account, why not just factor this in, Mark?
8: Well, yeah, the, the market factors thing. What, what is possible in 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 your pricing and how much you ask for a particular service what is possible and so the market determines that you as a businessman can't say i'm going to pay x amount for wages and therefore i'm going to sell uh, in order to make that uh, uh, economically viable i'm going to sell my product at 20% above uh, what the market dictates in order to... Just, it's just not possible.
2: Okay. Um, All yeah, right. The market
8: dictates these things.
2: We're going to move on. Thanks so much, Mark, in Durbanville. Yanela in Dalmas, good morning.
7: Good day, Ms. Kaminda, are you? Well, and you? Um, well, uh, no, I'm well, ma'am. I'm a bit conflicted morally. Uh, I'm, my, my statement is more uh, focused on the domestic work sector because most of domestic workers are employed by a middle-class families. And uh, for example, a middle-class family like myself, with my wife and myself have to both work to 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 you know to maintain the livelihood. We really couldn't afford three thousand five hundred rand, you know, for a domestic worker. Crash fees are crash fees are going up, um, and as well as going up, and we had to take salary cuts because of the way the market is. I don't know how um, you know in, in my mind morally, it's it's not a living wage, but I can't. I can't afford it, and I, I'm sure most most middle-class families that I know, of, because my friends are, and some of them are, you know, are single parents. They they, they can't afford 500 for a domestic worker, and mm-hmm. hence now we have to live without because we can't afford them. Is there is there any is there any, um, is, there any is there any is there any proposal? I heard someone once say that you know perhaps we offer tax breaks for families mm-hmm. like that for when they employ a domestic worker. But I mean, is there, is that not putting more stress on the government? I'm conflicted. I I really don't know.
2: I hear you. I hear you, Yanela. And these are some of the issues, some of the questions that we are grappling with. Uh, Kolani Numtata, good morning.
5: Hi, Sakina. I I think for me, the issue of the minimum wage, if it goes hand-in-hand with minimum qualifications, it would actually help. The challenge that I see is the fact that you see more people who are dropping out of schools, looking for jobs especially i'm calling from from umtata the majority of the people that i see here they're dropping out from grade nine they are looking for jobs anywhere and around and then you tell me if those people then for whatever reasons that they are dropping out of school for then they go into the labor market and then you have to you're opening up a general dealer somewhere in a location where your average sales per week around about four thousand rand, and then come end of the month you still have to pay a person three thousand five hundred i don't know how it was structured but we i just need maybe someone to enlighten us does this three thousand five hundred minimum wage across the board inclusive of the rural location those general dealers there the townships and all how is it structured
2: Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Kolani. And then uh, the next person on the line is perfectly positioned to answer that. Uh, Neil Coleman, uh, you were a Labour spokesperson in these negotiations. Yes. Thanks for uh, your time this morning. So uh, perhaps to respond to what Kolani was asking and also uh, what Mweseni um, was saying about the stipulations there, the minimum.
9: You know, I think one thing is clear, Sakina, all the people who are saying that uh, the amount of 3,500 is very little for people to live on are absolutely correct. I mean, anybody who thinks that someone working full-time should only get 20 Rand for an hour's work, you know, as, as some of your callers said, just simply don't understand the cost of living and the pressures in the country. That's a scandal. The the biggest scandal, though, is that nearly half of South African workers are earning below that. So the question is, how do we move from where we are to where we want to get to? And one of the big frustrations we face in the negotiations is the absolute intransigence of business and the refusal of business to recognize this reality. And actually, uh, uh, Mbosini, you know, spoke about business having tabled two thousand seven hundred rand in the negotiations <clears throat> actually the correct figure is one thousand eight hundred that was the figure that they tabled in the negotiations one thousand eight hundred so i think if you look at the difference between one eight and three five we seeing that it is a massive difference he's correct that we tabled uh, the proposal for four thousand five hundred rand the reality though is that we have been engaged in very intense negotiations and what is really welcome about the panel report is that it's, it's, it's focusing national attention of the, on the scandal of poverty wages in this country, and we hope that everybody in the country is going to weigh in on this debate. So we welcome the the discussion in, the, in, in that regard. <clears throat> the um, The system of wage determination, including the current system, as well as the proposed national minimum wage, does have mechanisms to allow... Employers who are facing genuine hardship, facing bankruptcy, genuinely can show through their books that they cannot afford to pay a minimum wage, to apply for for exemptions. So there are mechanisms to allow for that for that type of approach. But what is clear is that we cannot allow this con- this current situation to continue where half of the workforce is is living in poverty. And where Jason is completely wrong, and it's a pity we don't have an economist on the program who's done meaningful research on this issue, but where where he's wrong is that those roughly... Uh, six to seven million workers who are living in poverty are, are supporting three to four dependents each, which means that something like 25 to 30 million South Africans are living in poverty because uh, the wages that the breadwinner is earning are simply not enough. That is, over, that is half the South African population. So the question of poverty and poverty wages are directly linked.
2: Well, thank you so much, uh, Neil Coleman, for that. Philip Dexter is in Johannesburg. Good morning.
8: Hi, Sakina.
2: Welcome, Philip. Hi, yes. Well,
8: and you? Well, first, good, thank you. First of all, you know, I just want to say that I think people are being completely disingenuous when they say, oh, this wage will cause, higher wages will cause unemployment. We've had low wages, starvation wages in this country for nearly 150 years. It hasn't made any job impossible whatsoever. So that's a downright lie, first of all. Secondly, the, the moral issue and the, the ideological issue for our country is we want to continue to be one of the most unequal societies in the world with people living in abject poverty. If the answer is no, then we have to make a commitment as a country towards a living wage. And I do agree that it's, it's not a panacea. But we've got to then say this is the standard we want to set for families in South Africa and then have a discussion about how to get there those people who are saying no have no place in this country. They're not committed to national unity. They're not against poverty. It's just an ideological position where they're just saying a blanket no. So I think the first thing is commitment. Second thing is then, let's have a national dialogue about the things we do, including improving skills so that productivity goes up and all those other things that go with it. But the people are saying no, for instance, a caller compared us to China. It's just nonsense. China had nearly 50 years of socialism with infrastructure put in place by government, so that transport, for example, cost a Chinese worker less than one rand a day. Free medical care, free health care, all those things. Of course, in those conditions, you can pay much lower wages. So if that call is saying now in favor of socialism, brilliant. Let the socialist system, and then you'll be able to afford to pay people a pittance. But currently, under the conditions that we are, As a country, if we don't make a commitment towards this, towards ending poverty and inequality, our country is going to be a
10: disaster.
2: Thank you so much, Philip Dexter. Uh, Yaj, you're in Cape Town. Good morning.
10: Morning, Sakina. I'd like to agree 100% with Philip Dexter and Neil Coleman. You know, it is morally indefensible to pay someone less than 3,500 rand a month. You know, be that as it may, that should be the red line. No one should be paid below that. But we should go really beyond this and say we need a universal basic income to all citizens, a guaranteed basic income that will meet their minimum, minimum requirements of 3,500 rand a month per family <clears throat> which will meet all their basic needs. And the, this basic income is an issue that is you know, being considered around the globe now. You know, Elon Musk, even Elon Musk, has proposed this because of the whole uh, issue of uh, robotification automation, which will make uh, human jobs obsolete. And how do people survive in that situation? You know, Finland are looking at the basic income. Canada, Netherlands, New Zealand, the Labour Party there, even the Labour Party in in the UK. So, you know, we should have a basic income, uh, a minimum wage, 3,500 Rand is not a living wage, it's very far from a living wage, but let's have, let work for a basic income. And how do we fund it? Well, we can fund it through a land tax and we can fund it through quantitative easing, which was used in all these Western countries to bail out uh, banks in the financial crisis. That same mechanism can be used by central banks and reserve banks to create money for a basic income.
2: Thank, Thank you so, so much, much, Yaj. Let me read some of the messages uh, coming through. Uh, Posh says, "Thank you, Philip Dexter. We can't continue with these poverty wages." Pilani Jay says, "How can people who can't even live on thirty-five thousand rand a month say that three thousand rand, uh, three thousand five hundred, is justifiable for the majority of South Africans?" Kakisha Moeng says, business must stop making profit uh, and put that as more important than the human beings who help make those profits. The king says, Philip for president. This one uh, from uh, Venance Kalala says, can you believe this? A shop assistant selling shoes that cost 3,000 rand and a shirt that costs 1,500 rand, but her salary is 2,700 rand. Uh, Then Loni Ramalefane says, why should poor South Africans have to fight for everything, even the basics. Maybe it's time we elected the EFF. Uh, Kualo NPE says, Sakina, the minimum wage is going to make things awkward, especially for us emerging entrepreneurs. We have to cut jobs, and one employee will have to perform two or three people's jobs. This one says, will domestic workers and gardeners be paid 3,500 rand? Will low-paid working-class people afford to pay that? Uh, Nick says, SK, how much are your panelists earning 3,500 uh, uh, 3, Rand is too little? I cannot even do with 51,000 Rand that I'm earning, says Nick. Uh, this one uh, says SAFM, 3,500 Rand gross. And what about medical aid deductions, others, etc.? Sand says, uh, w- Would we ever consider a minimum wage? A minimum X so many times uh, could equal a, a maximum wage. Good prices uh, will come down because of affordability. I'm going to read that one again because I don't think it came out quite right. Uh, but then um, someone else is saying Mark doesn't factor the cost of employment in because he's factoring in the Lamborghini first. And uh, Patla says, consider the number of domestic and farm workers who are going to lose their jobs because they are seen as expensive. That is the reality. Um, will you say any.
1: Well, thank you very much. The first thing I think uh, is to is to speak to Germany. Remember that Germany implemented the national minimum wage within an already problematic European Union economy, uh, which has been decreasing. But in the last quarter, uh, uh, it reported I think zero percent. But in Germany, productivity increased, GDP in the last quarter as well increased. What is not clear uh, is uh, the third quarter. So, uh, and what you're talking about when you say the the loss in jobs. Uh, already, we have to implement the very logic that we have to look at its impact in a long run, and we are saying that minimum wages increase productivity, which in the long run would uh, uh, definitely have a situation where you will need more workers because there 's more consumption in the, in the economy now, why do someone needs a job i mean you can 't just celebrate that we 've got eight million jobs in South Africa. we need jobs in order to survive, but if the jobs are the same as us not being at work, then those jobs are useless. As the starting point, you work in order for you to survive. Half of the workers are actually not surviving on their wages. They are as good as people who are unemployed, period. Actually, in some of the instances, young people within the families go around doing a lot of crime to increase uh, in the family uh, income. So, it's not true that all we want is just a job. We want a meaningful job, and the poverty job uh, was set at between 4,000, I think, and 5,000 rand. So, what the the, the objective of the minimum wage seeks to achieve is precisely to put people at a That they get wages that are above the poverty line A minimum of four dependencies on 3,500 or even on 2,700 Which is where most of the South African workers are is, is, Is actually very futile So that's the first thing we want to do We want to eliminate poverty We are not going to do it if we stay with the current situation One of the callers says South Africa's structural problem of low wages is an issue of 150 years And why? Not because we've got low skills Even in the days of the beginning of industrialization, we were on we were on uh, we were on low wages so why did we have low wages in south africa it's basic it's very simple it was racism it was because there was a concerted effort by the colonial and apartheid regimes to reproduce black people as low and easily disposable labor that's the only problem and if you are going to resolve that you've got to be aggressive in implementing the minimum wage now i'm saying to you both in germany as well in germany it's not just now it was also in the 1980s but also in brazil minimum wage Ages managed to elevate poverty on one hand and inequalities, but in the long run, they increased productivity, which in turn increased the GDP. This is the miracle. Even with when demand goes down, you've got to boost it at pace and. Keynesian economics. If if demand goes down, you boost it. How do you boost it through wages? Actual giving people real money in order to perform or in order to, uh, uh, to buy in the economy. That gives them more buying power. So the final point is the moral problem. I don't want South Africans to move from this discussion thinking that You know, they are being moral by demanding a real wage, a minimum wage. That's not moral. That's basic economics. The moral question for us is why we are here, why we've been here for the last 150 years, and that's because of racism. South Africa has a structural low-wage economy because of racism, because of those 150 years in which black people were reproduced consistently as low and easily disposable, uh, being paid low and easily disposable uh, 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 wage labourers. And and that's really our input. We've got to put it above 4,500. That's the only time it's going to make a difference. Jason? Um,
4: Shakina, I think that um, the view that society's problems of poverty, inequality, and unemployment can simply be solved by government decree, um, ignores the underlying reasons why South Africa is suffering from uh, really low levels of economic growth. And it also does nothing to solve our high high rising rates of of unemployment. Just to put things in perspective, um, if we're growing at a a rate of 0.5% per annum, South Africans' incomes will only double roughly every 140 years. But at a a growth rate of 5%, which is the target in the NDP, our incomes will will double after about 14 years. So if if you want a policy that's going to increase the growth um, and and will increase the incomes of individuals, then it's got to be a policy that's based on economic growth. By just suggesting that, oh I, I mean, I, I agree with everybody, and I'd like to emphasize this again, that it, we don't want to live in a society where people are earning really low wages. But the cure, the medicine, that um, government can simply just force up prices, and then all of a sudden all of our, our the underlying problems will be solved um, it, it's not the way to go. So we need to reform, for example, our education system. There are about 36 million people in South Africa who are of working age. No. So those are people between the ages of 15 and 64 uh, years of age. But more than 60% of those people have an education level of less than metric. This goes to exactly what one of your callers, at Solani, was saying, that we we need to um, reform. There's, there's hard work to be done. You can't just go, um, there's this magical thinking that, Okay, um, and the other um, um, uh, panelists referred to the Keynesian multiplier effects. Well, (laughs) that's, as I said before, why have you been so mean? Why is he only saying 4,500 rand per month? If the multiplier effects are that great, then why not just make it 40,000 rand a month? Then the multiplier effects will be even greater. So... This kind of idea of wage-led growth in South Africa is not, not true, and we have the National Treasury that's come out with their model, and they said that they're opposed to, to the introduction of a national minimum wage, because they estimate that at a wage rate of 3,500 rand per month, we'll have over 700,000 job losses, mm. and and that research is supported by two published uh, macroeconomic analyses um, that concluded that this kind of wage-led growth was not feasible in South Africa. and and. the the big kind of elephant in the room that I'm going back to is because we've got this massive unemployment problem and we have nearly 9 million unemployed people. These people from Kisati are are very um, self-interested. They only care about their members and they only care about their members' wages going up so that they can earn more money. Just get me finished, please. Um, So what I was was referring to about the the, the macroeconomic models is that this kind of wage-grade growth in South Africa is not feasible because um, increasing the share of income that goes uh, towards wages probably undermines the, the investment in growth and mm-hmm. employment in South Africa because South, because South Africa is profit-investment-driven and investment driven, oh. rather than wage- and consumption-driven, and, and, and profits are the main funding investments in wages. Um because a, a significant amount of consumption um, gets spent on imports and things like that, so there's this massive leakage. But I mean, that makes intuitive sense for anybody that's listening here. When uh, when profits are, are go up for a company, that means that they can invest more in their company, and when your capsule and labour relation uh, ratios start to improve, um, you can pay like, you know, your, your wages, your now, your employers you more. You have
2: the opportunity to respond. He's okay. finishing this point. So then, once once
4: real wages go up. It means that people have more money to save and invest. In South Africa, we've got this massive problem where we're relying on foreign uh, portfolio inflows to to fund because we've got such a a low savings level. There's fundamental structural issues that we need to address in South Africa. And by just saying, oh, we're going to rely on government to just say, okay, we'll increase the prices and there's going to be no consequences. Everyone's going to live in a happy land where they'll just start spending more and uh, companies will start... uh, um, uh, mm. uh, producing well, more things it's just not it's, I have some it's questions on that as
2: well because uh, you've been left to business has been left to their own devices and they haven't done this so if government is not pushing it when is it going to happen uh, but uh, before I get any further let me give him mm. an
1: opportunity to yes, respond yes uh, thank you very much look Sakina I think that uh, the, the first thing that you can hear the frustration in, uh, in his voice uh, because uh, he doesn't actually have actual research uh, like you know what is actual research it's actually saying in country x such and such a thing happened and it had devastating uh, results in country such uh, x which has the same type of model as south africa you you, you don't have he doesn't have because where minimum wages have been implemented across the world for an example in britain in uh, britain did the same thing in 1999 they implemented the national minimum wage in 2010 it was named the most successful policy in a survey of british political experts by the institute for government so you can't give us a country. And what does he have? He's got these speculative, thumb-sucked uh, 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 political, uh, economic speculations, basically, where he sits on a desktop and looks at this and that in, and defends, defends, literally, a South African problem that has Been there for over 150 years That's the thing we have we have Been doing what he's talking about for the Last 150 years we've been ignoring the Wages we've been saying no the miracle uh, Is in allowing is not Touching the wages is in attracting Investment uh, in the sort of Labor flexible market and Allow you know business to come that is Not work that has not given us the employment Opportunities is talking about employment as, in, as, as, as constantly Unemployment is constantly uh, increasing. And uh, and so what we have here is a situation where we've got to all and the idea that quasat workers are being selfish. By the way, if if I can tell you the the inside Nedleg itself, yes. Business has said 1,900 or 1,700, 1,800, 1,900. But in public, and this is why NUMSA withdrew from the net lag negotiations, they said 2,700. So what you have is South Africans with, who have been taking care of workers. These are trade union organizations since the 1970s who have been saying to people, you've got to put workers in a situation that have got wages that... Have them or help them to survive. Below 4,500 today, you are actually as good as unemployed. You are being paid to come back tomorrow. You spend all your money on transport On You you are unable to build yourself a house You are unable to go to a proper health care You are unable to do any of those things Which even are not provided for by the government So we've got to attempt this Because we have not tried it But it's also because in other countries it was successful It's going to eliminate poverty because, And he says, why don't I put it at 12500 No, because minimum wages is not about that Minimum wages is about targeting poverty Where is the poverty line today? If you pay me less than 4500 I am poor. I remain poor. Minimum wages are about keeping people above the poverty line.
2: Well, we're going to leave it there and uh, thank you so much to our guests this morning. We say in of the EFF and Jason Erbach uh, of the Free Market Foundation. Okay. And of course, to you for your participation and the production team. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. Right now, it's time for News with and Ambuli.